0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. In our previous class, we discussed the childhood and in particular, some incidents surrounding the birth of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam the dream the Pharaoh saw, the inspiration Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the mother of Musa salam, her great sacrifices, and then Musa alayhi salam being taken in by Fir'aun into his home. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran that when Musa salam's mother sent off her child in the river, she told her daughter to go and follow the baby. And as the child was floating in the water by the side, the daughter was following Until she saw Fir'aun and his army taking in Musa alayhi salam. You can imagine how scared and terrified she must have been The one thing they were trying to save him from is where Musa alayhi salam, ended up It was in that very same situation Another interesting thing is that Fir'aun, when he gave the command that the children should be killed out of fear of absolutely deleting a population, what he did was he had one year of killing, and one year he would let the children live. And it was in the year that the children were allowed to live that Harun Ali was born. Therefore, there was no threat to his life. Musa Ali Salam was put in threat, put in fear of threat occurring to him, because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala wanted to make it very clear that no matter how much shait- how much shaitan and Fir'aun planned. Nothing can stop the plan of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore out of the qudra of Allah Out of the greatness of Allah Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala proves Fir'aun Incapable of repelling any doing of Allah Any plan of Allah By making Musa salam come to this world In the year that Fir'aun Had actually planned to kill the babies Now when the child comes into the palace of Fir'aun Naturally every child needs to be fed And Fir'aun and his wife are now trying to find a way to nurse this child. But as you recall, I mentioned to you that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave uh, his command to Musa salam's mother to prepare the child, one of the statements Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, anaradi'ihi, that nurse the child. And the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Musa mother to nurse the child is so that the initial bond can be created between the mother and the child. And once that initial bond is created, now if you try to take this child and offer it to another lady, that, that child will not accept. Therefore, they were struggling to find someone who could nurse Musa A.S. And it was at this point that the sister of Musa A.S., she made a call out and said that, I know of a lady that no child can ever, re- can ever refuse or reject. And that's when she proposed the mother of Musa A.S. And Musa's mother comes into the palace of Fir'aun And in return of a compensation She begins to nurse her own child So where did she lose her child And now she's being compensated To nurse her own child and spend time And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says And we return her to her mother So that her eyes can see contentment So they can gain peace So she could be at cool and ease not having to worry about her child. Now Musa alayhi salam grows up in the house of Firaun. The mention of Musa alayhi salam's mother in the Quran at this point stops. There is no mention of Musa alayhi salam's mother after this. So what happened to Musa alayhi salam's mother, when did she pass away, all of these things are not clearly mentioned in any hadith of the Prophet, neither does the Quran make reference. However, the Quran continues to talk about Musa alayhi salam. As Musa as grows, he turns into this young man, this young adult, and Allah subhanahu wa taala in Surah Qasas makes direct reference to an incident that occurred in the youth years of Musa as-Salam. Allah says in the Quran, "Wa dakhla al-Madinah ala hini gafle min ahliha. fawjada fiha rajulini yattatilan. Hada min shi'atihi wa hada min adouhi. Fastaqafuh al min shi'atihi alal-ladhi min adouhi." فَوَكَّزَهُ مُوسَى فَقَضَى عَلَيْهِ قَالَ هَذَا مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّهُ مُضِلٌ مُبِينٌ What happened was that Musa salam one day entered into the market Now which market was this? Some scholars say it was a market of Egypt Some say it was a city not too far from Egypt A few farsakh, two or three farsakh away Which are travel measurements From Egypt there was a city there Musa salam came there he came there as Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says at a time in which people were not in the market. At a time where people were not in the market. Why were the people not in the market at this time? Some scholars say the reason was because it was the day of Eid and people were gone to celebrate their Eid. Some scholars they say it was actually the midday time and it was known because of the harsh heat that people would take a break and they would go and take their nap. Therefore, the market was empty. Now, why was it that Musa Alayhi entering the market was such a unique moment that Allah references it in the Qur'an? Some scholars, they say that Musa Alayhi preferred not to go to the market. And the reason was because he would see shirk happening there and he would feel compelled to say something about it. And if Musa Alayhi saw something wrong... Being a young man who, in the future, would be a prophet of Allah, he had no ability to hold himself back when he saw wrong happening. Therefore, what Musa salam would do was he would keep himself at distance from um, these places and the markets in particular. Now, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala makes reference to a time where Musa salam did come to the market. People were at loss. People were uh, busy with their own issues, with their own affairs. And when Musa salam enters, the, enters into the market, he sees two things. He sees two people. He finds two people that are fighting and arguing with one another. What was their fight and argue, uh, argument about? The Qur'an doesn't say anything. However, some Mufassirun have uh, discussed this issue. And they say that the Qibti one of the two people who was Qibti. Qibti were people who were from Egypt. As I explained to you in our last class, one of the tactics Firaun used to suppress people and to rule over them was divide and conquer. And he created different sects and different classes of people. And the Qibti were like the top of society. And Bani Israel were viewed as the lower part of society. min من wa Hadam min adūwi. One of them was from Musa A.S.'s group and the other was from the opposition. Now the Qibti was trying to force the Israeli to carry some wood to the palace of Pharaoh. Now this Israeli said, I don't want to, because if I leave my position here, I lose business. And I'm here to work, I'm here to earn money, I'm not going. And this was what caused the argument between the two. Other scholars proposed other opinions on what may have caused the conflict between the Israeli and the Qibti. Musa alayhi salam, he sees the two people arguing Being a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's not a prophet at this point. According to majority of the Mufassirun, at this point he's not a prophet. However, the fitrah, the natural disposition of a prophet, still remains in him. He is not just any prophet to be, he is going to be one of the greatest prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he sees someone being oppressed, he has a desire to help that person and to do something about it. One of the points the scholars reflect over at this point is that they say, Without any doubt, there is virtue in helping someone that is in need. However, if that helping someone means that you push another person away, that you have to deal with another person in order to help a person, in order for Musa to help the Israeli, he has to deal with this Qibti. If that's what you need to do, then you need to make sure that you're helping the right person. Because you may think you're helping the wrong person, but you may find out later on that you're actually not helping the right person, you may be helping the wrong person. And you may not be with the madhloom, you might end up on the side of the valim, And many people, unfortunately, who are well-intended and sincere are lost in this issue. When a person helps a valim, helping an oppressor, very few people in the world are actually ill-intended and are willing to destroy their akhira. For most people, they are helping the quote-unquote valim, the oppressor, thinking that what they are doing is the right thing. And you look at this, you look at, you know, the situation of what occurred in Egypt, you look at the situation of what occurred in Syria, you look at the situation of what's occurred in many of the Muslim countries in present day and also in history, a lot of these oppressors were able to gain support from the masses and also from the scholarly folks in their community. I feel that these scholars did not support them because they were internally corrupted or they were not interested in protecting their akhirah. Rather, these people legitimately thought, they were convinced that the cause they were standing for was the right cause. And that's why they were willing to go so far and say statements that were so harsh. And ultimately, many of them died on their support of the ظالم, the oppressor. From this story of Musa, what we learn is that being sincere is a good thing. But you need to first and foremost establish the facts. That's why when we talk about the issue of amr al-ma'roof and nahi al-munkar, telling people to do good and preventing them from evil, you need to establish the facts first. What is good? What is evil? Is what this person doing actually evil? If it's actually an evil, then what's the more, most appropriate way for me to deal with it? But if it's not an actual evil, should I be stopping this person from doing what they're doing? Do I need to get involved? Should I get involved? There is a need for investigation. The second thing is, the scholars, they say, it's important that you are careful when it comes to supporting your own without investigating them as well. Sometimes you may think that since someone is from my group, they have to be right. There is a Muslim and a non-Muslim in argument. Do you always support the Muslim? Do you go to save the Muslim from the non-Muslim? In reality, the Muslim may be the oppressor. And that person who is not a Muslim may be the oppressed one. You don't go by people based on their associations. You know, I'm going to stand up for anyone who believes in X, Y, and Z issue. That's not how it works. You don't stand up for people because of their associations. You stand up for people based on who's right and who's wrong. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala establishes this in the Qur'an. That you should be people who are willing to establish justice for the sake of Allah, be witnesses to justice for the sake of Allah, even if it means you stand against your own. Don't look at affiliations. I need you to understand that someone may be from your scholarly school of thought, but if they've done something wrong, that wrong is objective. You should be able to identify this is wrong right here. I'm not going to side with this person because they're from my country and they speak my language and because they follow my fiqh, because they follow my madhab. This is not acceptable. If someone's a Sunni and what they're saying is wrong, we say this person is wrong. If someone's Shiri and what they're saying is right, we say this person is right. And similarly, if someone follows the Shiri creed and they see someone from their perspective, from their school of thought doing something wrong, you should have the decency to stand up and say this is wrong. Since when did we become flag bearers for, for um, sects that have been created by human beings while abandoning the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? As one of the ulama said, Kunna أُمَّةَ That we were a people that were all about diraya. we were all about deriving rulings from our deen, we were all about the original text, we were about being connected and educated. كُنَّ أُمَّةَ There was a time where we were people that we had loyalty to text, to the Qur'an and Sunnah. فَصِرْنَا But today all we do is stand behind flags. Everyone has their flag. There's a Deobandi flag, there's a Salafi flag, there's a Birelwi flag, there's a Ikhwan flag, there's a Jama'atul Muslim. Everyone has their flags that they're standing behind. And they don't care whether what's happening in the name of that flag is right or wrong, whether it violates the Sharia or not, as long as it's behind our flag, we will stand here. And this is the fall of the Ummah. There are some people in our communities, unfortunately They've been programmed In such a manner that as soon as Someone quotes Quran and Sunnah in front of them They get turned off Because they've been told Don't read the Quran and Sunnah unless it's through Our interpretation We have the right interpretation Everyone else is faulty When it comes to their interpretation of the Sunnah And this is poison by the way To claim monopoly over the deen To, to believe your right because of your research while the others may be wrong that's okay this is the idea of fiqh that we are on sawab the others yahtamin khata they have the... Uh, sorry, no, um, sorry, let me do that again that we are on the right while having the ability, the possibility of being wrong and they are on the wrong with the possibility of being right this is the, the approach every madhab takes for the other the Maliki's believe they are right with the possibility of being wrong while when they look at the Shafiis, they say they are wrong with the possibility of being right that's, that's okay perspective That perspective is needed That confidence in your opinion Without that confidence in your opinion How can you actually state that opinion? So that's, there's nothing wrong with that But we're talking about an attitude Where people reject and they refuse They kind of stop people They shield them from being exposed to greater scholarship It's not just the Hanafi fiqh that the people are learning, but it's a variation, it's an interpretation of the Hanafi fiqh that's being fed into them, it's a narrative. If I may say, it's a propaganda that people are being fed with. So here, we learn from the story of Musa that it's very important who you support. Because the person who you think may be right today, unless you've actually investigated the situation appropriately, thoroughly, and properly, tomorrow you may learn that this person wasn't the person I should be supporting, this is actually the opposite side. That's why um, the Mufassirun, they write under the ayah, that it is not permitted for a person to assist a ظالم, an oppressor. Once you identify this person is wrong, you cannot help that person. You cannot even write for that person. You cannot even accompany that person. And if you do support an oppressor in any way at all, then know that you are an aid in that crime. You are an accessory in that crime. Wafil Hadithi, and in the narration, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, Yunadi Munadin yom al Qiyama, Ain al Zalama wa Ashbah al Zalama." On the day of judgment, a caller will call out, Where are those who oppressed and those who were similar to the oppressors? And those who were the helpers of the oppressors. في Until the person who even gave them an ink pot, or the one who gave them a pen, who gave the oppressor a pen, all of these people will be gathered together. Put into a box, some sort of container, and then they will be thrown in the fire of hell. That whoever whoever assists the oppressed one, whoever assists the whoever walks with the with the oppressed one. So that he can assist him in the oppression that this person is facing ثَبَّتَ قَدَمَيْهِ عَلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ Allah will give firmness to the feet of this person on the Day of Judgment عَلَى When they are crossing the, the bridge يَوْمَ تَزِلُّ فِيهِ On that day in which feet will slip and people will fall off that bridge and will then fall into the fire of hell and whoever walks with an oppressor so that he may assist the oppressor اللَّهُ عَلَى يَوْمَ تُذْحَدُ فِيهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause this person's feet to slip from that bridge on the Day of Judgment. So this is a very serious issue. Whenever you see a ظَالِم, once you've identified someone as a ظَالِم, someone is an oppressor, you need to pull your support away. You need to step back. You need to stop Financially supporting, you have to stop this you have to stop supporting them with your words with your efforts, with your company you know, and unfortunately people are blind uh, I've seen this within youth in some Muslim communities depending on where you are in the states or where you are in the world, there are like these gang-like cultures, you have Muslim gangs and Muslim crews, and people are blinded, they'll go along with this culture and they'll be involved with crime because there is a clique that they feel loyalty to they won't snitch on their own Even though they know the person who's done, who they're refusing to speak against Is someone who's outright done a dhulm Someone who's done murder, someone who's sold drugs Someone who stole from someone Someone who's um, destroyed someone's face in a fight beaten the daylights out of them And the police are asking, do you know? And they're lying The Prophet ﷺ said One of the greatest crimes an insan, a human being can engage in shahadat al-zur Shahadat al-Zur What does shahadat al mean? False testimony If you are asked Did you witness this crime? You have to be honest Either I did witness it Or I didn't witness it Because if everyone started lying And no one was truthful In front of the judge What kind of justice Would the judge be able to serve? There's no longer any justice anymore So the ulama here They emphasize Man mashah zalimin Faqad ajram uh, Wafil hadith That whoever walks with an oppressor Indeed he has committed the crime not only should you not be an oppressor, in no way, shape, or form should you be with people who have anything to do with oppression. Now, what did Musa alayhi salam do? When he heard the um, dispute between the two, he made an intention to separate the two from one another, create a gap between the two. Now, as he was going to push them away, one of them, the Qibti, the Egyptian, he thought Musa Alayhi salam was going to hurt him So he made a move on Musa Alayhi salam, In return of which Musa Alayhi Salaam فَوَكَزَهُ Musa, Musa Alayhi salam struck him Wakaza means to hit someone with the entirety of your palm Wakaza means to hit someone with the entirety of your palm Kind of like one of those Chinese strikes Where you just kind of punch your palm into the guy's chest So he took his palm and he hit him into his chest Some scholars have interpreted wakaza as a punch but the more correct definition of wakaza is to hit someone with the entirety of your palm so he struck this person into into his chest now generally hitting someone in your in the chest with your palm won't call won't cause death unless it's like bruce lee doing it for most people when you take your palm and you strike them on their chest you kind of create a distance you push them away maybe knock them to the ground if you hit hard enough that's the end of that Wallahu alam what it was at that time when Musa alayhi salam took his hand and he struck this Qibti person what ended up happening guys this person died and Allama Sha'rawi rahmatullahi alayh, at this point he says that when Musa alayhi hit him the qadr of Allah meaning this person's death which was destined to arrive to him happened to coincide with the exact time that Musa alayhi struck him. Um, Imam Sharafy says he did not die from the strike, He died at the time of the strike, not through the strike. Um, and that's why um, the Mufassirun, when talking about this the strike of Musa السلام, How he took his hand and he hit this person They say that at tops this is qatal khata Qatal khata in Arabic means when you, when you kill someone through a means that generally won't kill someone Now if Musa السلام, took a sharp, machete, a sharp machete And started dag- you know, sh- you know, just shanking this guy That's a whole different story That means that's qatal amad He's killing the guy on the other is that he takes his hand and he strikes him in the chest, and it happens to be coincidentally at that time. This person, his rib cage may have failed him, or some sort of compression in the chest may have some, caused some artery to rupture, and therefore he may have died. These are all possibilities, but the, this is not in Sharia known as qatal amad, an intentional murder versus an accidental killing, and the ruling for both is different. خَطَأَ وَمَنْ قَتَلَ مُؤْمِنًا right Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is not appropriate for a believer to kill another believer But out of mistake, out of accident And if a person does kill another person out of accident Then you need to free a slave, you need to do this, you need to do that And the following verses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lays out the law in relation to that Now after Musa strikes this person and he falls down Immediately Musa realizes that this was a mistake and he says, Hada Shaitan. This is from the doing of Shaitan. What was from the doing of Shaitan? What was it that he did from the from from the doing of shaitan? The scholars say there are two possibilities here, two possibilities here. The first possibility here is Shaytan made it look like in the eyes of people that Musa alayhi salam was a murderer. No one gave him the benefit of the doubt. Those that saw him, and at that time one person saw him. So that one person was the Israeli He didn't view this as an accidental killing How did he view it? As a murder And this person's narrative would have a massive impact on any court case Because this guy viewed it as outright murder Hada min amal shaitaan So other scholars they say Hada min amal shaytan Is a thought that Musa alayhi salam is having retrospectively And which is that I shouldn't have touched that person Until I'd further investigated the issue Because later on he's going to learn that this person may have been innocent, not that he is innocent, but he realizes that the other Israeli person who was from his people was actually a troublemaker because the next day he finds him in another fight. Now, immediately, Musa salam, he makes a promise to Allah subhanahu wa taala when he realizes that he'd made a mistake. Allah subhanahu wa taala tells him that Faghfar Allah, Allah forgave him. Allah pardoned Musa salam. and therefore, at that point, Musa salam made a commitment to Allah subhanahu wa taala. The commitment he made to Allah is falan That I will never ever be an aid to criminals again I did it once, I got fooled, I will never do it again I will never aid a criminal From here we learned that making a mistake is okay It happens It happens even to the prophets of Allah This was قبل النبوة, before Nabuwa. It was something he did unintentionally It happened, mistakes happen However The true value of a person is determined by how they make up for the mistake they made. You've done the mistake once, you botched up, you didn't see the barakah in your wealth because you engaged in some haram transaction, do you do it again? Are you going to make the same mistake again? You know you understand that how you are affected by watching TV. It sucks the barakah out of your time and you really get pulled into it. Are you going to make the same mistake again? You know, there are some friends that hurt you, you've pulled away from them, are you going to get involved again? So here Musa alayhi salam proves, proves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that his mistake made him a better person. lil And he sets policy in his life. Musa alayhi salam sets policy. And this policy of Musa alayhi salam you'll see through the rest of his life becomes a key feature of Musa alayhi salam. Musa was known, for, known to be someone who had no tolerance for evil He would establish what was right, what was wrong And then he would speak his mind He was known for this That's why he had no fear when it came to speaking to Fir'aun he had no fear when it came to calling out Khadr. That what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is wrong. Because objectively, when he looked at the actions of Khadr, of and we'll cover these in a later class, he saw them to be wrong. And he had no hesitance in calling them out. Falan Ya Allah, I won't be silent to, cr- to crime again. I will speak out, and I will ensure the person I assist is the right person. This will be my, my attempt, this will be my effort moving forward. Now, Musa alayhi salam, at this point, he's worried. Because all in all, there's a person that died at the time he struck that individual. The narrative doesn't look too good. The next day, Musa alayhi salam, he enters into the market again. And when he enters into the market the second day, he finds that same person was arguing again. That Israeli who he saved yesterday, he found that, he found that person arguing again. And he went up to that Israeli and he kind of confronted him. What's your problem? Why are you always fighting and arguing with people? Did you put me in a difficult situation? Was I wrong yesterday to help you? These are not the words of the Quran, but Musa is skeptical at this point. What's going on here? When he approaches this person like this, this person, he realizes that Musa is going to soon understand that he have, may have been the source of the evil. So immediately he, plays, he throws blame on Musa أتريد Do you intend to kill me? just as you killed a person yesterday now by making this statement everyone that's around this Israeli are no longer interested in the wrongdoing of the Israeli because the Israeli just made a claim that Musa was a killer therefore this is very intelligent by the way this is some really intelligent stuff when you're in trouble you swap hands you shift direction you shift attention instead of people focusing on you you say, oh that's a bigger problem over there look at immigration and everyone forgets about who you are, they start focusing on what? Immigration policy. You know, When everyone starts focusing on your problems, you say, hey, look at the Middle Eastern, they're all terrorists there. Everyone's like, oh God, let's go look at what's happening in the Middle East. So this is where you shift direction, shift attention from yourself. And this is what this, this Israeli did. Rather than talking about what Musa Salam wanted to talk about, which was the Israeli, immediately what does he do? He throws blame on him. This is a tactic guilty people use most of the time. They don't prefer to address the issue at hand. You know, the husband says to the wife that you haven't been fulfilling your responsibilities. So instead of her saying that, yes, I haven't been fulfilling my responsibilities, what does she say in return? Look who's talking. Which is an interesting perspective. Now, there is a benefit in that statement. The benefit in that statement is that the husband should not be a hypocrite. If he's neglecting, he should be careful of calling someone else out for neglect. That's a very logical um, perspective. But at the same time, if the wife says to the husband, you're neglecting me, and all he can say in return is a look at yourself, he's, he's kind of shifting attention and not focusing at the, at, at the problem itself. Anyway, Musa alayhis salam, when he hears this, he immediately leaves the gathering. He withdraws from the gathering and he enters into isolation, into, um, he lives. begins to live secretly. He doesn't want to be seen by people because now the word has spread. And not only has the word spread, but the word has now reached the palace of Fir'aun. And the police are actively searching for Musa alayhi salam. They're looking for Musa alayhi salam at this point. Because the person that was killed may have been, as according to a tafsir I mentioned, a servant of the palace of Fir'aun. And this was something Pharaoh did not take lightly. Because the premise of powerful people is that they don't allow any weakness or any weakness. they don't allow any weakness to be seen, not only with them, but also with their followers. You touch one of my followers, I'm going to take you down. And this puts fear in the hearts of people that not only should we not go anywhere near this mafia head, but we also have to stay away from anyone that's associate, that's associated with them. The Quran says, Waja'a min Yasa A person came from the far part of the city, from the other part of the city, to warn Musa. He found Musa's whereabouts and he came to give Musa salam a warning. Who was this person? Ahl Tafsir, bin Sabura Mu'minu Ali Many of the Mufassirun say this was a person from the family of Firaun who was secretly a believer. He didn't believe in Fir'aun being God. He was influenced by the religion of Yusuf Alayhi salam, who was a prophet of Allah, whose belief system was followed by the people of Banu Israel. So he was influenced by them and he was a believer. His name was Hizqil bin Sabura. Kana ibn Ammi Fir'aun. He was the, um, the cousin of uh, Fir'aun. Dhakrahul Thalibi, and this is stated by Thalibi. وَقِيلَ طَالُودِ ذَكَرَهُ Some people say his name was Talud And this is mentioned by As suhili uh, Qatada says اسمه مؤمن وآل فرعون That he is, also, he is the mu'min from the family of Pharaoh The believer from the family of Pharaoh However his name was not his qeer Rather his name was شمعون وَقِيلَ شَمْعَان And some scholars they say his name was شمعان instead of شمعون now this person comes to Musa alayhi salam immediately. He comes rushing to Musa alayhi salam. This is the advice he gives him. The people in the courts have gathered together and they are now searching for you. They're thinking of killing you. It's best that you leave. Now Musa السلام, wasn't running away from justice. As far as he was concerned, his justice had been served when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave him. He accidentally killed this person. And if he stood in court, he would not be given justice. Because the people who would testify against him had already created a narrative. And everyone knew that Musa alayhis Salam was not Egyptian. I said this to you guys, when... Firaun took in Musa Alayhi He was very clear for the most part That this is an Israeli child And how he was able to tell this Was by the skin tone of the Israeli child There was a distinction about Musa Alayhi salam. Musa Alayhi skin tone Is actually mentioned in the hadith That when the Prophet Sallallahu Met him on the night of Miraj He had a unique distinct skin tone So the, 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 the conflict between the Egyptians and Israelis Was already there and there was already a lot of tension like we have in our times, black and white, Hispanics and Whites, there's a lot of tension already there. And this would have been a perfect um a perfect news story and a win for Firaun and his people to execute an Israeli and to not serve him justice. Therefore Musa alay salam he leaves there fearfully, looking over his shoulder, being very careful that he isn't seen, Qala Rabbi uh, he then makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ya Allah, protect me from people who are oppressors From people that are criminals Ya Allah, save me from them And he leaves The ulama, they write Lama kharaj Musa alayhi salam farran nafsihi munfaridan khhaifan That when Musa alayhi salam left Egypt Running, uh, fearful for his life He was alone La shay'a ma'ahu min zaadin wala rahilatin Wala hidhanin wala hidha'in nahwa madyan and he had with him nothing from any provisions. He had no animal. He had no footwear. And he was heading towards Madian. Why was he going to Madian? وَلَمَّا تَوَجَّهَتِ مَدْيَنِ Why was he going to Madian? In our previous classes, we talked about Shu'ib salam and Shu'id, the people of Madian. If you recall at that point I mentioned to you, the people of Madian were from the children of Ibrahim and the lineage of Musa salam links up with the people of Madian. They were friends. These were relatives at distance, but they were still relatives of his. الَّذِي بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَهُمْ لِأَنَّ مِنْ, إبرا... مِن وَلَدِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ مِنْ وَلَدِ يَعْقُوبِ بِن, بِنْ إِبْرَاهِيمِ Because there was a relationship between the people of Madian and Musa salam. Musa salam, he, heads, he heads out, he has no hope, he's single, he's alone, he has no provisions with him And he's walking towards Madian Which according to some mufassirun They say that this, uh, this journey uh, The journey was an eight day journey And Musa الصلاة, is on this journey headed to Madian And it's at this point that he didn't have much hope That he made a dua to Allah Rabbi This is a very beautiful dua for people who are lost in life Someone who doesn't see where they're going in life Someone who feels that they don't have any support They don't have the financial means, the spiritual support Musa Alayhi story is full of some beautiful du'as And I'm going to highlight them okay. This du'a is very beautiful Asa Rabbi an as-sabeel Ya Allah, I really don't know what I'm going to do with my life I'm studying at college right now I'm trying to get through this But what's going to happen in the future? Ya Allah, I just got married, I don't know what my future is going to hold. Ya Allah, I'm studying the deen, I'm not sure what the future holds for me. For young folks, folks in particular, make this dua daily. The translation of this is that it's very possible that soon my Lord will guide me to the straight path. He will guide me to the path that I'm supposed to be on in my life.